This, this is Brock and Salk. Brock Ewart is my hero. Jay Buter just punched me in the kidney. Powered through the Alaska Airlines studio. On Seattle Sports. What we're going to do, you are a man. Doesn't really work that way, Sherm. This is a show that has my name on it. It kind of does. Brought to you by Carter Volkswagen and Ballard. Now here are your hosts, Brock Ewart and Mike Salk. Hello! Hello! Oh, man. Another hour of Brock Let's and Salk. I'm so sorry if you're tuning in for Bumpin' Stacy, and that's usually what you get, and you're excited for, for you know, a little bit more maturity than we usually bring in the morning, but uh, they're not going to join you until 11. Mm. I, I, do you understand why it has something to do with them being down in Soto today, which is awesome. That's all thanks to uh, Snoqualmie Casino, but... They can't go on until yeah. they can't be in the spot they're going to be until eleven. So we're here yep. with you guys for an extra hour. So uh, I'm I sorry. The station is thinking about putting us six to twelve. Oh really? Bob and Stacy twelve to six, and Bob and Dave six to midnight. Oh my gosh! Yeah, eighteen hours of live program. That That's would be I the heard. middle of Bob's day. It would. <laughs> that would actually be kind of ideal for Bob. Those two men would have no problem with it. The old <laughs> man Muppets would be just they're fine. up late. Like that uh-huh. would be perfect. Now, if they had to switch that and put those guys six to twelve, would work. You'd have maybe a little little would different conversation. All right. Well. This hour is brought to you by Advanced Air Seattle, and uh, good to be with you guys for uh, for just a little bit longer. The Derby was a blast last night. Um, I was there. Uh, Brock, Justin was there. For those of you who don't know, Justin Barnes, our, our producer, Justin was there working behind the scenes, and he got to see some really cool stuff. I mean, Justin, just kind of reading through your thoughts from last night and all the behind the scenes things that you were able to observe. If you would have told 18 year old Justin Barnes in Libby, Montana, 18 year old Libby, Montana, Justin, the, Hey, fast forward. And I don't know what you are now. 35, 36, fast forward a few years. And here's going to be your life. And this is what you're going to be doing. Uh, in media at the home run derby. Would you have ever believed it? hundred percent? No, I, 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 I was thinking about this yesterday because I texted my dad just like a, because he knew like the only reason that I wanted to do any to play baseball and to um, to I don't want to say get out of Libby, but like unless I was going to work at Les Schwab the rest of my life, which is perfectly fine, yep. I needed to do something. And so baseball was my ticket. It's either that or the military. And the only reason I play baseball was because I how much I loved Ken Griffey Jr. as a kid. And then fast forward how many years. I get to kneel down next to him at the All-Star game as he points to my Griffey shoes that I wanted my whole life and couldn't afford, of course. Finally get him. He looks at him, reaches his hand out to shake my hand. It was like, okay, I didn't get to play pro. Wow. This is the best and See, coolest and really farthest that's a good meeting get. Griffey story. It's better than Brock's, which is that Brock sat on his like really trunk. nice trunk that he had. <laughs> he sat on his trunk. Not the trunk of his car, like a no. trunk, like a chest yes. that you would carry yes. around like stuff. Like a steamer trunk. And I think it's where he kept all of his like really special memorabilia and stuff that he has, like yeah. from the Negro Leagues and yeah. stuff like that, yeah. Yeah. growing up yeah. and being around the Big Red Machine. Yeah. And Brock just plopped himself right on it and started talking to him. Junior was like, could you get the bleep off my trunk? Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't quite <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't quite as endearing hey, as your yeah. story. Could you, could you move now? <laughs> it wasn't quite as, oh, I just met my childhood here and I had the greatest thing in okay. All right. So let me ask you, be honest. Yeah. The, the people need total honesty. And you're an honest guy, Justin. Mm-hmm. When you put the Griffey shoes on, mm-hmm. right? Because you, you get yourself mm-hmm. ready to go. You've cut your sleeves off. I'm you glad your you're asking jacket. this question. I was wondering the same thing? thing. Yes. So when you put your Griffey shoes on, was that an intentional, like, ooh, if I get a chance to meet him, I'm going to make sure that I'm wearing these I'll shoes. I'll put these on just in case right. Junior notices that. Correct. Was that the plan? 
There's a little bit of that. There's a little bit. But I, so I, I didn't get to finish the part where I, the conversation I had with him is he saw the shoes, gave me the, like the, the finger point to the eyes, you know, look down. Mm-hmm. And I, I kind of leaned over and was like, I only break them out on really special occasions. And he goes, and he shake, reaches up and shakes my hand. And I go, the first night was your Hall of Fame night. That's mm-hmm. why I got them, was to wear them to the Hall of Fame night. Oh, you said that to him? Mm-hmm. And what'd he uh-huh. say? He just like said, "Great, like Nada." He was taking pictures. I was like, "Yeah." Try he was it. like, "Yeah, yeah, you never know, like, whatever." Please leave me alone. <laughs> yeah. And then I was quickly ushered away. Yeah, that was my night, not yours. Get the heck away from me. Yeah. Uh, security, if you don't mind. You know thanks. what you are? You're a showman. That's what you are. He's a showman. Mm. Hey, what was? Could you see Scott from where you were? I didn't have a good view of him from where I was in the seats, but you were kind of on the field. Yeah. What was Scott doing? Uh, for the, he was doing a lot of interviews at the beginning, but as soon as Julio got up to, to bat, he was standing right next to Rick Riz, so, and, and George Kirby was next to him, so they were chatting. And then Julio gets up. He's right behind Dusty Baker, so he takes a few steps away after like the fifth or sixth home run in a row, and he was like, okay, i got to get a better view, mm. and kind of does a little Dusty circle. wearing his gloves? He wasn't, but he okay. did have hand sanitizer in the hat next to him. Good. Uh, so he, he pops around all the couches to go stand by himself and quite, like, just politely clap. By himself, like a proud dad, hmm. as Julio went off. And mm-hmm. then uh, Carson Vitale, I think, is the BP pitcher. He came over and, like, knocked him on the shoulder. I have a video of this on my phone. Slaps him on the shoulder and does the, like, can you believe this? Mm. Said, look. And Scott just shakes his head. Scott's like, like, yeah, he's finally listening to us. <laughs> <laughs> it was... It was Taught him everything he knows. It yeah. was fantastic. I mean, that was the... How you know it's real, I guess, right? Yeah. Like when everybody, no matter what level, Hall of Famers, they played 20 years or five. Like they're all doing the, this is, yeah. Yeah, this I think Stacy tweeted it last night. And I think Stacy said something along the lines of just when you think maybe it's too much, maybe the expectation's too high. Maybe the bar, you know, after the the, the, the home run derby last year and, and, and him having to do, as Jeff Passon said, kissing babies, shaking hands, all the stuff that he has been doing. Maybe, maybe there'll be a letdown and nope. Come out first round and put Focus. on the greatest Focus. show yeah. that you have seen in the home run derby, setting a single round record with 41 bombs. To your point, captivating not only the attention of everybody on the field, everybody in the stands, but the Kevin Durant's of the world tweeting that OMG. Yeah. What am I Patrick seeing Mahomes, right now? Same thing. Yep. yep. You, know, you know what we haven't mentioned once yet in four hours? Is the Pete Alonso did nothing? No. Well, I think I mean I, I was kind of thinking about that. So he's the guy who takes this more seriously Take than absolutely. anybody, right? Like this is his life. It's his business. He trains all year. Well, he's for won this two. Moment. Griffey's won three, so right. he's trying to get entire. I get it, man. He wants to be the greatest home run derby champion yep. of all time, which is an odd but cool thing, sure. I guess. Yeah. In any event, I. You know, generally, you want to be able to go second, right? It's a huge advantage to go second. Mm -hmm. And we've seen a lot of people complaining about that today, saying, oh, Julio got jobbed because he didn't get to go second. It's like, no, he just needs to hit more home runs during the regular season. That's how they do the seating. In Vlad's case, it worked out because once he got to 22 or 21, whatever it was, he could just be like, all right, I'm good. And he could preserve his strength for the next round. But I think Julio just intimidated Alonzo to the point where he was like, I, I, I have to do something so incredible in yeah. order to win that I can't stay within and my if, game plan. Right. The second line drive or pop up, he's, he's like, like okay, I guess it. I'm done. Well, like, I'll tell I, you, I yes. need to hit like a two home run every five second clip. Yes. I think if, if he had gone first, I'm not saying he would have gotten 41, but I think he would have done a lot better no than question. he did because I, I think he was just like, well, you know who else it affects is that BP pitcher. 
And they, that pitcher knows, and, and in his case, that guy missed a lot of balls. Like, I got to throw him out of the money. Right. Yeah. Like, I can't miss either. And then he gets tight, and then Alonzo probably overdoes it and overswings. And you, you know what? It, also, I was, I was standing next to Brian. Sorry to interrupt you. I was, Brian Hunter was next to me. He's a coaching now for the You Astros. weren't just sitting next to him. Stan, I was chat. We're friends. DM buddies. And uh, he, he, looks at, he looks over at me, and he goes, hey, I was watching BP. Pete Alonzo was bouncing his bat twice off his shoulder. So before every, sw- every swing, he'd bounce once, bounce twice, swing. And he was rushing himself in the derby. Yep. He was only doing it once. And yep. his point is like, that's the problem. Yep. He's not in his rhythm. He's not in his rhythm. And he Hit did me. pop up, pop mm-hmm. up, pop up. I was like, huh, you guys do notice every They notice everything, man. Yet. It's unbelievable what they are able to see from that advan- from that vantage point. It's really incredible. Yeah, it was sort of, Alonzo was reminding me of a like a golfer in match play. Where it's like, if he could have, he would have just conceded. Yep. <laughs> like, yep. I'll just pick up and go to the next hole. I can I think he was in the cage one. for the first, like, a minute and a half of yeah. Julio underneath the, and probably heard the place rocking like an earthquake and then came up as like, good Lord, what <laughs> am I year? against? Wasn't he out like kettlebells while Julio was oh, out? Yeah. He, was like, he was trying to lift. <laughs> See, that was a bit much. <laughs> now, I've also seen some suggestion that maybe Julio needed to um, not spend so much time in the cage. Between uh, between his rounds, what do you think? Did he get tired? I think he was a little bit out of juice. I, I think after I think after forty one and expending everything he did in the first phase of it, I don't know if a cold tub, a hot tub, more balls off the tee in the net, if anything would have really mattered. Unfortunately, I think he, uh, ex- yeah, I think the gas tank was on E. It probably was, but you know, he he said that. Here's here's a little what Julio said. That was the opportunity, basically the first opportunity. That I had, I was I wanted to live in the moment and kind of be able to give a show to the Mariners fans and just kind of give my all. And for that second round, I was just, <sighs> but yeah, it was fun. It was fun. I feel like your your mind is there, but your body is not. That's the best way to explain. It. You could see it, man. Even Cecily could tell. I mean, literally sitting next to Cecily, she's like, he seems tired. Like, yeah. I mean, he kept kind of trying to go to center, left center. Like, if you've seen the spray charts of that, oddly, I was looking at that last night. Mm. His home runs in the first, uh, his first round were all to like pretty much straight away left, left field. field. And a lot of the pop ups that he hit in the second round were kind of to left center. And he seemed like he was just getting the, the, the mm. handle of the bat to it and mm-hmm. you know, a little too far inside. Anyway, good stuff. It was really fun last night in the crowd, the connection, all of that stuff was great. We talked a little bit more about Julio earlier today with Jeff Passan, who came in studio, which was fun. Good to see Jeff here in person. A, a couple of things stand out. And, and here's one that I wanted to play. Here's Passan talking about Julio. I, awesome is just so boring and easy, but it's the first thing that popped into my head. You know, okay, I'll do it. Julio Rodriguez, I'm going to do two words here. Julio Rodriguez is a showman. That's what he is. He felt the energy of that place and knew exactly what he needed to do. And I think he was willing to sacrifice winning the entire thing to go out and have one ridiculous round. Because isn't that what all the local fans are going to remember? Yep. This- I'm going to pause that. I'm going to come back to play the last 10 seconds of it, but let me pause it there and start just sort of on that side of it. He is a showman. Mm-hmm. There's no doubt about it. And he is absolutely willing to sell out in a good way to win early and, and to provide that moment. I don't think he did that because he was trying to win over the fans versus win the whole thing. He didn't know what Alonzo was going to do after him. Right. But yes, Julio does have a flair for the moment. Yeah, we we call it charisma. Showman sometimes sounds like a me guy. Like I'm going to put on a oh, show. Oh, I see what you mean. You know what I'm saying? I don't know that I feel that. 
I, I think, unfortunately, that term, that's probably, well, oh, you're a showman. You know, we had a football coach called um, the Big Show, you know, like, oh, you're a showman. You know, that there's not always maybe an authenticity to mm-hmm. it, but it is with him. The charisma is like part of it. That's the DNA of his showmanship. Like, I, I just love to play, man. And we have had this conversation so many times through the years about, and I think I even asked Lori Malloy at one of the functions, like, how many guys are Warren Moon? How many guys like love? I mean, just love to play the game and love to be in that moment. <laughs> and it's a pretty small percentage across all sports. I would say what stands out to me about him, and I, I was thinking, and maybe this is a good question for you to answer for all of the guys you've played with. It seems like players play for one of four reasons. They play for the money. Mm-hmm. They play for their teammates. They play for themselves. Or they play for the fans. I'd be willing to bet you get a lot of guys in the first category mm-hmm. who play for the money at that point. Like, hey, I used to love this and now it's a job and mm-hmm. I've been, you know, screwed by my organization or whatever. It's for the money, man. It's a business. Yeah. By the way, I'm not judging that. That's n- nothing wrong with that. I think that there are certainly players that play for their teammates. I think we see that a lot in hockey, mm-hmm. maybe more than any other sport, but people, but players who just. You know, what their teammates think for them, and it's us against the world. I don't care what the media mm-hmm. or the fans or anybody else says. We're a team. We're a unit, and we do this for each other above all else. I think curling probably the most. The yeah, sweepers, that's a good point. I'm going to say have, the gold medal curling teams. It must be an ice thing selfless. yeah, with both curling uh-huh. and and, uh, and hockey. <laughs> yes. There's clearly guys who play for themselves and their legacy, and maybe one of them has been the quarterback here in Seattle at some point, and something we've learned over the years. We know guys mm-hmm. who play for themselves and for their glory, et cetera. Mm-hmm. But I'd be willing to bet that of that group of, of, of players out there, the group of players that truly play for the fans above any of the other three. And by the way, everyone, it's a scale, right? It's probably yep. a little bit of all of those things for every player. Yep. I mean, nothing. Julio didn't not take the money when he was offered the money. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure he does play for his teammates. And I'm sure he does love some of the glory that comes with it. Mm-hmm. But I would be willing to bet he's higher on the plays for the fan list or or ranking than almost any other player we've seen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm just trying to. Who think. did you play for? Well, I, I know as you were kind of laying those out, I will tell you the number of times I sat in the locker room with the Huskies and in warmups, you're out there, right? And you start to see the place fill up and it's filling up and or you're driving the bus over and we used to stay at the West Coast Hotel over in Bellevue and they would have a police escort and it was always, I'm getting kind of goosebumps just thinking about it. And you're on that bus and you're going over 520 and the cops are there and they're parting the Red Sea. The old 522 and the you're old, down on the water. The old 520. Yeah. And those cops have to go out, right? And all the cars part, and you're going right down them, and they're out there, you know. And uh, and at times it was so slow, like big games, and they'd be almost banging and being able to like hit the bus as you're driving by because you're going so slow because it's so packed. And I remember many times thinking, "Gosh, I'm anxious. I'm a little nervous." Oh no, I'm not. Like man, all these people, they're just so, especially early in my career, it was such a healthy dynamic. Like this is, I'm playing for them. You know, Lambright used to say in the team meeting room, right up before we ran out the tunnel, you've got a six-point lead before you ever hit that field. Mm-hmm. That opponent over there, they are six points down because of the 72,000 in there. And then you run out in the barking and the siren and the massive humanity, and you're just like, oh. And there were so many times I wish I was an athlete and I could play defense and hit somebody and just like let all of that emotion out rather than 
okay, calm down. You know, got to play, got to think, got to analyze, you know, just can't be all of that fanatic because, gosh, that was incredible. Hmm. Those were incredible was memories. Joy was at the all-time highest. Yeah, and espe- again, especially early. And, you know, by the end of it, got a little hard and expectations weren't met and our team wasn't as good and you lose and then you feel whew, the other side of that. Like, oh. I think of my first couple of years, like we didn't lose at home. You know, first year didn't lose at home. Next year got hurt in a game that we lost at home, but that was it. And then by my final year, kind of eroded, my fundamentals eroded, my joy eroded, the expectation and the weight of it, it turned 180 the other way. I was like, oh, man, these fans just hate me. You know, it was just so hard to hear booing and from my family and for Grandma Peg that had to be out with her boxed wine with Aunt Bonnie in the minivan, like can't come into the game, right? And that, by the way, is to the listener uh, for the rating because I dropped another family member. I've done that a few times today. So, uh, yeah, four for four every hour. So, yeah, that that fan plays and can play both ways. And I certainly absolutely loved it. And even way before, by the way, uh, the University of Washington, when we would get dressed in Hanawalt Pavilion and we would walk the two blocks from the high school gym to the stadium and the fans and the community be in their lawn cheering for you and the band and it was packed and we were really good for a lot of years. So you'd walk in and the whole stands would be full as you walk into the locker room and once again, goosebumps. Yeah. I mean, the fans are a huge part of it. A big, big part of it. Who do you think you played for the most? Well, it wasn't for the money. Never really had that. <laughs> um, never really. Didn't never, get to that point, never, unfortunately. Never really had a brand. I mean, I would I would want to say, and I think this is just being the son of a coach and growing up where I did. You know, it was, it was playing for others. For me, my faith was important. I would write audience of one. Like, it's not oh, about me. I didn't think me. about that one. Yeah, it's not about me. I'm playing for something in a platform. Of course I missed that one. Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> that's all right. Yeah. You know what? That's a good point. Thank you. You should have reminded me <laughs> that's that that's, okay. that's another one that people play and for. And for a lot of guys, yeah. That, you I know, think that's that, true. That, yeah. that, no, that, I should add that. Yep. And so for me, that would, that would always be my centering. <laughs> But then, yeah, when nerves came or whatever, just it's not about you. Just take it off you. And the more you could do that, it was amazing. The better you played. Well, so anyway, let me bring this back to Julio, who I I think really does play for his fans as much as any athlete I can remember. And it seems so genuine the way he turns to them in every moment, yells for the fans, looks at the fans. I mean, you see about when he dropped the bat. And just did like I honestly, know. are you not entertained? He just looked straight at the crowd behind yes. him. Yes, but it's not even just that; it's him listening and engaging with the music that's playing, and you know, clapping along to the Julio chants. He does it constantly. He really seems to truly care mm-hmm. about the fans and think about them all the time, even when he's playing in a way that honestly surprises me at times. It's great. Let me play you the other side of this cut from Jeff Passan because I think it's an interesting comment on maybe what's going on with Julio this year and where his long term will be. Just not going to be the Vladimir Guerrero Jr. won the Derby. Mm -mm. And and here's the thing. One of these years, he's going to want to hoist the trophy above his head. He kind of goes on from there to say that that at one at some point, what I take that as is, look, right now, Julio's got a lot of people that are looking for him to do a lot of things. Yep. He's essentially the ambassador for Seattle this year, this week. And that's why he's in this game. Last first night, numbers the, the, don't the, put him in this game. The post-game party yep. or the post-derby party was presented and hosted by such and such, such and such, and Julio Rodriguez. Like, that's kind of the spot he's in. 
He's the superstar here. Mm-hmm. What did Passon tell us? He was up at seven and like he saw him early in the morning dealing with sponsors and dealing with this and dealing with that. But at some point, Julio's going to decide like winning a championship is the most important thing to him. And I'm not saying that it's not the most important thing to him now. He's trying to do everything at once. Yeah. And I'm not this is not a shot at him. This is the natural life cycle of a star player. Mm-hmm. This is Michael Jordan. This is all of these guys who at the beginning of their career are otherworldly talented and have everyone in the world coming to them and saying, do this, do this, help with this, help with that. And they do it. Tiger. I just watched Tiger's documentary. Well, now Tiger's a little different because he started winning so quickly and was so dominant right off the bat. But. Maybe there's a maybe there's a maybe you put him in there also. Right. Yeah. But I guess but I guess what you're hearing here is like at some point he will probably start saying no more often. Correct. I think Tiger always said no. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> like Tiger never wanted to do any of that stuff. Uh, early on with Nike, I, yeah. I mean, early on he did Man, a lot I've of it. And I've seen it. I've been around some of these yeah. athletes who, you yeah. know, I've been around Ortiz post-2004. Post yep. He wasn't, a, not that he's not a fun guy, and that, sure. but he didn't want to engage with everyone the same way. He yep. couldn't. Yep. It, it wasn't possible. He'd already... He'd already done it for so long, mm-hmm. and 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 it was time to kind of handle life a little bit differently. You've got to push people away. And oh, yep. by the way, he'd been burned. Yep. He'd been burned by however many people along the way, which unfortunately will probably happen to Julio as well. Yep. He'll get burned. Yep. He'll get burned by a member of the media. He'll get burned by you know a teammate, a coach, a manager, a GM, an owner. Somebody will burn him, yep. and it will it will change some of the joy with which he plays. It might end up helping him win championships, but right now he's trying to do everything all at once, and that may be a challenge, and he might not, as talented as he is, that may be harder for him than even he realizes. So if he does play with with so much joy and for the fans, Brock, you brought this up last week when, when Salk was out. Do you think that that Friday night drubbing from the Braves and the, the booing affected him more than any other player then? The, yeah. That that stings. A good they, question. And they can try to say, oh, I didn't really hear it. You hear all of it. Every one of those players hears all of that. Yeah. And that like was, you may not hear the cheers, but you definitely hear the booze uh, at home. Y- yes. I would hope so. Yes. You're supposed to hear the booze at home. And, you know, coming off of <clears throat> ending the drought, coming off of everything that they've accomplished, that could have been, and I think Shannon said that with us earlier this week, uh, yesterday or Maybe at the end of last week, she that that could have been okay. This is the end. We're packing it up. You know, we just went to the playoffs the year before. You fans don't get it. This is a hard game. We lose. We lose. We lose. And all of a sudden, you're five, six under five hundred right now, with maybe just one all star in this game. But that night, yeah, I think that cascade of booze and just that reality of. Well, I'll tell you what. Then you, you you're going to lead me to another uh, interesting hypothesis. Well, I think it's interesting. You guys may not think it's interesting at all, but I may say that Mariners fans are unique in two ways. Passon gave us one. I'm going to give you another next. We're in for Bump and Stacy. They're going to take over at 11 o'clock as they are down in Soto. It's all presented by Snoqualmie Casino. They're going to have a great show for you guys coming up at 11, and then Wyman and Bob will take over right after that down near the ballpark. We'll be right back here. It's an extended Brock and Salk in for Bump and Stacy, sort of all at once. Here's what we are. Seattle Sports on 710. Listening to Brock and Salk. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app.
I know you... best have taken over Soto, oh. and so have we. So I am pretty we. ridiculously excited. All right. Thank you, Mike Salk. Jeez. Shut your pie hole, for God's sakes. This is supposed to be bumping Stacy, but uh, we are here, Brock and Salk, for another half hour until Stacy takes over. So if you're expecting her lovely voice and instead you have mine, I'm mm. sorry. But, uh, yeah, they'll, uh, they're going to be down there from 11 to 2, and then Wyman and Bob, they're all down uh, in Soto, kind of getting ready on, on the grounds for today. Should be a blast. They're going to have great shows, but because of the timing and just sort of the logistics of it, we uh, said we would uh, hang out with you guys for another hour to get them into the space that they need to be in. So we're nice. just talking about the, the the fans here, Brock, yep. and some of the uniqueness of the Seattle sports fan. I wanted to, I wanted to build off something Passon said and something you said, and maybe this is a stupid comp, and I'm just sort of mixing too much together. But Passon said that being here in Seattle was a little bit different. I asked him whether there was any similarities or differences from other towns that he's been in. Uh, in terms of of the All-Star Game, and here's what he said. The true loathing of the Houston Astros. (laughs) Oh, my God. How crazy was that at the draft? Dude, the draft? Last night. Last night? Yeah. I mean, I had no idea that, like, this is worse than I've heard it in L.A., Mm -hmm. where they lost the World Series to the Astros. This is worse than I've heard it in New York. Like, this is the most concentrated booing of Houston Astros mm. people that I have ever seen. It, which is something, considering we're going on like five years now yeah. after. And by the way, some of the scuttlebutt in the office, I've been walking the hallways, was passing, sounded good. Mm. His voice sounded good and really? like rich and deep. And yeah, like sometimes with he, when he's on with that, you know uh, Must have been the whiskey last night yeah. that's really bringing it out of him today. But man, did I love that right there! I yeah. loved it when I heard it at the draft. I, I was in my like living room clapping. Like, did you Good. do the horse dance? No, I bet I did my big loud clap, and nobody claps like I can clap. No, that's you for know, sure. You know we, that. We know that. Ten and a half inch hands, they can clap. So I loved that passion yeah. of those fans huh. because that has never been. That has never, ever, ever been some fun rivalry, you know, with the Blue Jays fans when they come to town, some rivalry in the past with the A's, maybe in the 90s, late 90s, your run and, you know, your what you built in the early 2000s. But there was never that just enemy. And it's public enemy. And they're at the top. And it's public enemy because of what they did on the field cheating, off the field cheating. But it's also that, hey, man, there's the bar. They're the world champs. They're yeah, the best and they team beat going. you last year. And they, yep. they've sort of been your hurdle to, to jump over like for the, the last few years. the 49ers were to the mm-hmm. Seahawks in their build. Right? There was that animus. And I just don't, I don't like them. And I don't like Jim Harbaugh. And I don't like the way they do this. I don't like the way they bully everybody. And then you got to punch the bully and you got to beat the bully. And then you become the bully. And right now, you're just at that phase where they're still the bully. Now you took three or four down there. You've won on the season five of seven. There is six to go, three down there and three up here. They're going to be pretty darn significant, hopefully, in August and September. But, yeah, that's the that's the target right there. Well, so that sets Mariner fans apart in Passon's eyes, which yep. is great, although he did seem to enjoy people coming up to him and giving him grief uh, either about being a wet blanket or about uh, calling Mariner's fans spoiled or whatever else he's done yep. on this show uh, over the years. But... Uh, the other, it kind of got me thinking. So, if that's one thing that sets Mariners fans apart, this is not a a fan base or a media group that is known for being particularly hard on mm-hmm. its team. Mm-hmm. When you get booed in New York, it seems to oftentimes destroy guys. It, it seems like it is destro- not everybody. Kind of depends on the human, but it seems like the amount of booing 
for um, a few of those guys, whether it's Giancarlo Stanton or um, what's his name, the third baseman Donaldson. It seems like it's it's almost gotten to their heads. Well, the vitriol there. Right. It's personal. It's like personal. Philly, New right. York. How dare you come to my team and stink? Correct. But that booing can get tuned out a lot. It doesn't often or always have the desired effect of turn, getting them to turn it around mm-hmm. because it's just another day and another booing situation. Mm-hmm. I wonder if Mariner fans, and I, I don't have any way to prove this, but it's just a, a hypothesis. Because this is not a market that traditionally boos the Mariners. In fact, I can't really ever remember them booing the Mariners. I mean, not often. Not with the same level of irritation that they did the other day. We've seen them boo the Seahawks now and again if they're just, you know, an offense that is inept or something like that for a game. Mm -hmm. But it's not, it doesn't happen often. Mm -hmm. I wonder if the fact that they were booing the way they did the other day against Tampa Bay as things were kind of falling apart maybe hit home more. Like, you always hear about the player that, well, they don't talk much, but when they do talk, people listen, right? The Tony Dungy. He rose he, two times in two years. He never swore. Never swore in two years, right? That's, it was that's amazing in his own right. In the NFL world? Yeah. Uh, yes. <laughs> Very amazing. I'm, I'm impressed. Yes. And he, he yelled twice. He, his voice rose on two occasions, and both times were teammates fighting. It was like during training camp, and, and guys just started fighting. And he just, he, that was like that. the antithesis. Is there one thing your kids did over the years that as soon as they did it, they would, it would get you to yell? Ooh, that's a good question. I, I know. When, I have one. I know when Damon and I or Luke and I fought, we could hear my dad coming down the hall. Like, oh gosh, here he comes. You know, and he's like, where's the brotherly love? You don't love each oh, other. Geez. Like, oh, <sighs> like, yeah. So that, so, that's the one here. One for me all the time. And my kids would know as soon if they, if Cecily was in here again, she would know it as soon as I started to say it. We don't play with doors. It drives me like I don't like kids playing with doors. Hold on, hold on a second. Come again. We don't play with doors. You oh, don't boy. slam doors, wrestle or in and around the door, any of that. I've just seen too many kids get their fingers caught in doors, and the idea of it is so awful to me that like that's the number one thing. It's not as much anymore, Justin, but when they were younger. Justin, Justin on a list of 100 things. We don't play with doors. Never would have come. I would have. If that was on the list with 99 others, that would have been one of the first ones. Like, Don't play with doors. Like, just what? Near windows, maybe. Fall out of them, the glass, get hurt. Kids don't do that. You know what kids do? They like to like try to keep each other out of a room, right? Like I'm in the room and I'm holding the door closed and I'm okay. pulling on the door and pushing on the door and we're back and forth at the door and then my fingers in the crack of the door. Ah! They're screaming. Okay. Don't play with doors. There's no upside. It's like fireworks, man. No, except with even less upside. Interesting. Okay. <laughs> okay. Would never would have got. It's almost like I had a traumatic experience with my hand yeah, when I was young, and these two things that I have <laughs> are like, hey, don't do fireworks and yep. don't play with doors because you can hurt your Maybe finger. Maybe projected. Maybe. Maybe. I don't know, I'm just saying. Possibly not. Anyway, it's almost as if the Mariners that were shook like, him. shook hey, him like Rob Manfred. This this fan base is booing us. Yep. That's not right. not the Yankees fans, Phillies fans, Tigers fans, Red Sox fans. Yeah, they, they have the booze chambered ready. Mariners fans. Booze up. Mariners fans are booing us. Yeah. We better look ourselves in the mirror because we got a problem if this fan base is booing us. Yeah, that's why I leaned a little more last week reactionary-wise into that than I did this players-only meeting. Mm. And when I listened to Ty talk about the players-only meeting and Tom Murphy talk right. about the players-only meeting, it didn't necessarily initiate a ton of like, yeah. Yes, it was more of yeah. That's what we. But that, 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 that shakes you, man. 
uh, in a year of expectation. And, and once again, kind of down this road of just everything you can do motivationally, right? It's first kind of closed door meetings. We all talk. And then it's, well, closed door meetings and one guy talks. And then it's we come back from the trip and the offensive players talk. And then it is, right? I mean, you kind of go down that these cards you can play. And then it's finally, hey, man, here's here's your customers. And your customers are letting you have it. Is, oh, you want to talk about customers? Sex toy. Re- re- I got to say, oh, I don't boy. know that I've ever said anything that people have agreed with more than yeah. this Doors what? take. Brock, you and I are apparently the 415. I think I say don't play with Doors 50 times a day. I got my lips stuck, stuck in a door because of my brother. Uh, don't play with Doors. He's absolutely right. I completely agree with Mike. Don't play with Doors. Salk isn't crazy. Doors is on top for me also. Wow. Dude, that's like 12 texts in a row. But Matt wow. and Oregon. But the last one through the doors are right there. <laughs> Obviously. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, dude, you got don't play with doors. That do you, was that's my you, number one. Do you know that if Molly were here, she would tell you that maybe the most I've ever whew, I don't want to say turned her on, but like the moment where she well, was it seems like, like you've already done you know, that. So yes. did, like, yeah, now, yeah. You can say you don't to want say to, it. but now you've done it. Let's just say maybe one of the most overwhelming moments, like mm. she was like, Wow, what a stud. You knocked down a door? Had to do with a door. It did. Haley was like two or three ah. in the bath like the bathtub's running, the door had gotten locked. Molly's screaming. I bust up the stairs. I'm like, what? She's like, Haley's in the past run and the door's locked. And I didn't even think. And I went, bam, right through the door. You did get to play defense then. I did. <laughs> and the most amazing thing is I thought for sure, right? I did in the moment. Haley was standing there outside the bathtub, just fine. I, I turned around to look. I was like, oh, man. the whole fr- I figured the whole frame is right. out of the wall. Everything is broken. The door's knocked off. Nothing. Really? It was the cleanest shot. Molly's on the Maybe other side. Maybe it wasn't side. actually locked. No, it was locked. <laughs> it was definitely locked. And Molly on the Molly's other, like, I loosened it for you. No, Molly on the other <laughs> side, like, you are the main. So that's a really good story, and that's impressive. But here's my question. Why didn't you just reach on top of the door jam, use the little didn't thing, and just didn't stick it. it? Oh, no, Molly didn't have No, that door didn't have it. It feels like that's something that would have solved that problem a lot quicker. If that little tool was there. Yeah, you got to make sure you keep that on top of the but door jam. There. All right, well, a little, few more minutes of us, and then Bump and Stacey will take over at 11 o'clock, man, and you'll be done man, with these door man, conversations. It's Brock and Salk, CL Sports on 710CLSports.com. You're listening to Brock and Salk. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. On Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. All right, Bob and Stacey are coming up, thankfully, in just a couple of minutes. It's been a uh, five-hour marathon for Brock and Salk and Justin well, and Mora. well. Oh, yeah, Brock didn't do the five hours. Who am I kidding? Who am I kidding? Brock didn't do that. Moore got to bounce, too. Yeah. Yeah. So, right. So, Justin, nice job today. Uh, Really, you and me and Uh uh, what we we took on. Uh, We will return you to your regularly scheduled programming coming up at 11. And uh, I hope you still get a headline rewrites. That's actually the one thing I was worried about with this uh, this extra hour. Mm. Like. I've told you guys this before on the show. If there's one thing I want to make sure that I tune into over the course of the day, it's headline rewrite. Stacy kills it every day. It's awesome. And Bump does great stuff. And I love when she, you know, get draws a lot What's out of it. Bugging him. Bob is kind of my number one. That's your number yeah, one. Yeah, no. How, they don't do that every day, though, right? <laughs> I, don't, uh, I think that's a weekly thing with What's Bugging Bob. Is it, it's only weekly? Well, I think they do it weekly. That's not to it, say that there's not something bugging Bob. Twice a day. 
<laughs> well, anyway, uh, headline rewrites. I hope yes. that I hope they they will find some time for it in the eleven o'clock hour because that is uh, usually my favorite part. I of the will day. be very curious. This is your first All Star game, so last night was your first yeah. derby. Had you been to? Was last night your first as well? Right? Yeah, yeah. Yep. Anything like all, that? All these festivities. I will be very curious. Now you said last night was the Mariner fan. Last night, and certainly the cheers and the Julio and the emotion and everything in the building reinforced all of that through the television or there in person. I will be curious tonight if you feel a little more corporate feel or if tonight is also the Mariner fan night because the all-star games that I've been to have been the two others felt what you expected yesterday, which was, huh. I expected a lot of out of towners. Mm-hmm. I expected just I didn't think it would be such. Yeah, pro. is that what you found by the way in Colorado when you were there a few years ago? Yes, I, it was more corporate. It was more. Huh. Uh, a, no, I didn't go to the Derby. Right, I just went to the game. Yeah, and, maybe that's what tonight will be. I mean, I've talked to a few folks who were like, "Yeah, I loved the Derby, but I didn't get tickets to the game. Like mm-hmm. that wasn't as much for me." So yeah, maybe that's more the corporate that type of thing. But yeah. I was surprised. I thought it would be. I don't, were you surprised, Jess? I thought it would be a lot of fans from around the game. Almost like I did too. Yeah, but I, it wasn't. I, I mean, it was it was a it was more. Honestly, I felt like there was a higher percentage of Mariners fans than at a Mariner game. Seattle's an event town, and if there Julio's in it, and it you is get an your one town. chance to mm-hmm. see Julio in a derby at home, of it, course mm-hmm. it's going to be. Big it really is fans. an event town. There's yeah. no doubt about it. This town loves an event more than a winner. But it's so much fun to be at the park when there's really no skin in the game for anything. Everybody there is just a baseball fan to mm-hmm. cheer and love baseball. Yep. There was no like, getting mad at anything or you'd be disappointed, but mm-hmm. surely they didn't win. But that was a different feeling that I hadn't had before at T-Mobile. Never just, been to an all-star game anyway. Yeah, just an exhibition. Just go out there and, and enjoy the skill and the talent. And tonight, similarly, tonight Julio's going to play. Tonight, Luis and, and Kirby, I'd be very surprised if they don't get each an inning there. And Luis probably pretty early. Garrett Cole's going to get the start. There was some thought that maybe Luis was going to get the ball. Um, but it will be Garrett to start. And I bet Luis, maybe the second or the third. I think the hometown guy, you probably want to want to get out there and, and get the juices flowing a little bit as well. And and it will be a, a showcase, and it sure feels a lot better with mm. these guys coming in at 7-2 and two and a little bit of juice in the building. Oh, there's a couple of interesting texts and questions. Matt in Oregon says, I thought What's Bugging Bob was the name of the afternoon show. All right. You know, that's that's not quite right. Matt, you got to take the rest of the day off. That's too many for you today. And then uh, question from the 206. I don't know the answer to this, but I would assume the answer is yes. Will they have the pitch clock for the All-Star game tonight? Ooh. I would really ass- I don't know. I would really Ooh. love to see some like showboat ump making it all about him and calling a pitch clock violation tonight. I don't know if they have the pitch clock tonight. I don't know either. I would. I don't I'm, think Fox cares that it's a three-hour game. I'm going to guess no because they want to m- m- let that thing breathe. Correct. <laughs> Get a bunch of bunch of sponsors in if they can. Correct. Tell some stories. Do some sideline interviews. Right. Sideline dugout interviews yep. and that kind of thing. And by the way, that's usually the cool stuff. Great you know, question. I'm going to the game, but like mm-hmm. a part of me is like, yeah. I'm a little bummed. I'm not going to be at home because the presentation of the All Star Game is always cool. Correct. With the like the player interviews while they're playing and all that stuff, and we're not going to get any yep. of that being yep. at the game tonight. Yep. Hmm. That's too bad. Yeah. I'll take the flip side of Are it on a 75 degree sunny day. I'll, it should be pretty yeah. nice. Rock, you going to get to see your boy today? Which boy is that? Joe Davis. Uh, yeah, I'll probably see Joe and John. Yeah, I saw them last week at the seminar. I'll probably see uh, Joe's willing to see him. I think Joe's I imagine still Brock to sort of me. knocking on the door of the press box and then being like, uh, Mr. Heward, uh, uh, Mr. Davis, <laughs> we, have a, we have Brock Heward here outside. He says he needs uh-huh, to see you. Uh huh. 
She was like, yeah, I just saw him. He's, Let yeah. him in. Let yeah. him in. Yeah, he's he's cool. He's with me. Okay, I'm brought here. I'm I mean, the nice thing is I didn't hire Joe, right? I, I didn't do any of that. <laughs> so, but I did work his first big game. So when he, he was coming up, then, and I don't know if I've ever, do you know, do you know this story? Joe, the fill-in? Yeah, when Joe filled yeah, in. I know. I remember. Oh, do you really? Dude, you know, you make it seem like I don't remember the details of your life. Uh-huh. I remember okay. you, somebody was sick and they brought, I don't remember who was sick, but I remember somebody couldn't make yep. it yep. and Mark Joe Jones. ended up, yeah, Mark yep. Jones. His wife had vertigo. Right. Yep. And so they brought in Joe Davis, who's just a young whippersnapper yep. at the time. It was a great middle. And you were like, oh, of all the guys who've yep. ever filled in, yes. this is the, you know what? Okay, don't okay, even I'm pretend right. like so I don't remember. listen to you awesome. and remember the things you say. Yes. He's like How the guy in suits. Anybody seen suits? Have you seen suits on Netflix? I've Anybody? seen it advertised on Netflix. Netflix. Pretty good, was it? Molly and I watched the first. It pretty good. It was pretty good. Huh. And uh, yeah, that photographic memory that Mike Tirico has. That's what it's about. Joe Davis has. Yeah, one of the whippersnappers. I need one of those. Do you? A photographic memory. They seem really helpful. You just have a graphic. <laughs> just a graphic memory. <laughs> That's what you got. <laughs> you got the. You got the second part of that. Maybe the I need first the photo parts. part yeah, of it in order to, to help me out. You know what? Have a blast today. Everybody out there, have an absolute blast. Yeah. This has been fun for four hours, for five hours. We could do this if all If you see day. Brock down there today, make sure you get a picture with him. Nope, it's a nope, rare nope, sighting nope. to see a six foot five cured walking the yep. streets of Seattle. So if you see him out there, make sure you grab a picture. And uh, maybe you can go down to the red carpet early today and see Maura down there. Mm. She's uh, She'll be the tall one with the long fingers. And if um, a fish slips through she's catching it one-handed <laughs> she got no problem yeah she catches them between her fingers like a cigarette it's amazing how she can do that she's very talented justin will be out on the field today if you're at the game you'll see him and ashley doing and and jb's and the other guy right yep. doing their uh doing their stuff so and fun, uh, fun if stuff you see me with my mom run the other way <laughs> Will she also roast you? Is it like on my demand? mom? Yeah. Oh, no, no, oh, no. Oh, okay. not her thing. Nope. My mom might get your number though and try to send you brownies. So I'll take that. <laughs> see where that goes. All right, we got to get out of here. We'll turn it over to Bump and Stacy mercifully next. They are down at the ballpark. So have fun listening to them. We'll be back tomorrow morning, six a.m. Until then, the hey is in the barn. See everybody. Get to the chopper.